Oh. Would it be awful if in this moment I thought, oh, no, I've prepared chapter eight. So. <laughs> but I haven't. Chapter seven. So it's good. Reading through John's gospel is good. And there are lots of themes and repetitions through that that helps us to to grow and develop as we read it, letting it transform us, letting the Holy Spirit work in our lives. And um, as I was reading through John chapter 7, there were three things that, that kind of jumped out at me. It seems like set three separate things, but, but they're actually all really linked together. And the three things that, that jumped out at me were that works is not enough, that we need to be those that judge correctly and that rivers of living waters will flow from us. So what I'm hoping to do is, ca- is connect those three um, today. So John 7 is this passage where, as we read in through it, we realise that, um, that people um, don't really like Jesus that much. People don't believe in the things that he's saying, that um, people are challenged around Jesus, that, that there's something going on when Jesus is around that provokes something in Jesus. And he decides not to go to the Feast of the Tabernacles, um, which is this massive festival that's going on in Jerusalem, um, because the leaders are, of the Jewish leaders are trying to kill him. So he decides not to go because the Jewish leaders are trying to kill him and um, he doesn't think he should go. But his brothers are like trying to convince him to Jesus, saying, Jesus, you need to go to this festival. You need to go to this festival and do the works, do the things that, that people like to see because you are a good man and we want people to like you. Do those things that people like to see. Do, why don't you do those things that, um, you know, like, um, like feeding people, and healing people. People like that sort of thing. Because the thing is about um, Jesus' word, the message that he was bringing was that that people didn't like it. In fact, it was actually turning people against him. And um, he had a message that that wasn't a crowd pleaser. And his brothers were like, why don't you go? And they're trying to give him advice of how to, to start off your public ministry, get people to like you. But Jesus' message wasn't a message that was easy to hear. It wasn't a message that made people like him. In fact, Jesus says to his brothers in verses 6 and 7, he says, this Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify its works are evil. Jesus' brothers want Jesus to go and proclaim this message that is nice and inspirational, that, that makes them feel good and comforted. And, you know, because Jesus' message is that, but it's so much more than that. It is challenging, it's provoking. It's a message that says that, um, that everyone holding hands and being nice to one another is not enough. It will not do it. Good works is not going to save you. It's a message that says, if you don't believe, then you will not live. 
you will not have eternal life. Jesus dying for our sin is not a popular message. The message that the only way for eternal life is to believe in Jesus, to to save us from death, is believing in Jesus' death and resurrection. This is not a popular message. People don't want to hear that message that tells them that they have to believe in Jesus. They have to believe in Jesus for forgiveness, for eternal life. It's not enough to to believe that he is a good man. It's not enough to believe that he is a prophet. We have to believe that Jesus is God and he is sent by God. It's not a popular message that good works does not lead to eternal life. But it's only believing in Jesus. We all want to hear, don't we, that doing nice things and doing good works, maybe giving to charity, being a good person, living life without hurting anybody is enough to be accepted. We want to hear that, don't we? We want to, we want to see even tell people that. We want to say, you know, being good and giving to charity is actually a good thing. And it's not that Jesus is saying that those things are evil in and of themselves. What he is saying is that believing and living by them, believing that these are the things that are going to save you, is evil. It's a deception that we tell ourselves that if I don't hurt anybody else, then surely I'm a good person. Surely I'll go to heaven. Jesus was telling this message and it was difficult to hear. People did not want to hear that message because it's not enough to be a good person. It's just not enough. You know, the film that Mel Gibson did, The Passion of the Christ, has anyone seen that? And when that first came out, um, it was really criticised for being really violent and bloody and gory. It's like, does it have to be like that? Does it have to be so bloody? The thing is, Jesus' story is bloody, is violent is gory, it's not a nice message. When we read the Gospels and we start reading about Jesus' life and how, how people were trying to persecute him, how they were trying to kill him, and eventually they did kill him. Eventually they, they beat him up and, and um, they whipped him and they put him on the cross, they nailed him to the cross and, and they spat at him, they hurled abuse at him. It was a violent death that he died. He died on this cross which is everyone feared the cross. It's this torment. Everyone's taught you're tormented on this cross because all you can do is just you're suffering there in such a, a violent way. There's so much fear around the cross. The cross was this awful way of dying. And Jesus went through that for us. That was a sacrifice that Jesus went through for us. And if we believe that Jesus is God and we put our trust in him as God, this isn't a popular message for us to believe. Sin deserves punishment and he took our punishment. What we want to hear is that if we do something nice in the world, give back to the world, then it all kind of balances out in some way. And this is why 
Jesus says works are evil. Because works will not save us. It's a deception that we do tell ourselves that works without faith in God is lying to ourselves. Jesus was trying to show us that through these things and through the things that he said, he was saying things that people did not want to hear. In fact, he was saying things that that made people want to kill him. And so he was trying to show us that through these things, the words that he is trying to proclaim to us that are really difficult and challenging, that if we believe in them, they bring life to us. They don't bring death and destruction and, and all those things that, that the world brings, that works brings, because works cannot save us. Jesus um, went to the Feast of the Tabernacles. He, went, he decided to go secretly, and he went halfway through the feast. Now, the festival of the Tabernacles, um, Tabernacles is another word for tents or booths, and, and what they would do at the feast, um, so they would all go to Jerusalem, and they would all make these tents or booths out of like twigs and branches, and, and they would live in these tents for, for about a week, um, cel- having this celebration. And what this was to signify was, to, um, it was like a memory of when the time when they came out of, G- of Egypt, they were called called out of Egypt from slavery, and they were living in temporary accommodation when they came out of Egypt. And so this festival was like a memory of that. It was a memory of God's provision in that time. And, and, um, and they, would, um, they would do this like ceremony where, where every day they would go to the pool of Siloam. And they would get, they have these like um, gold goblets or containers, and they would go and get some water from the pool of Siloam and take it to the altar. And all the time while they were going to the altar, there'd be this procession and trumpets and lots of joy and praises. And then they would pour this water at the altar, the foot of the altar. And this was to signify at the time of when um, the Israelites, they were um, thirsty. They didn't they were in the wilderness, they had nothing to drink, and they were crying out to God, and they were thirsty. And then Moses takes them to this rock, and he strikes this wa- rock, and this water floods out. And so this festival was like a celebration of like, God's provision of water. And it also signifies of this prophetic um, word that comes to us in Ezekiel 47 about the river of life. And that from this river will come life and healing and the, and the trees and the branches and the leaves will be for healing and there'll be food to eat and the fruit of, and the, fruit of the trees. And, and wherever this water flows, there will be life. In fact, if, when this water comes to, to like salt water, it would change it into fresh water and life would be their fullness of life. So this massive symbol of like water and life and living water that comes flowing through. And so Jesus turns up at this festival halfway through. And I'd like to read that passage from verse 14 to 24 from John Gospel chapter 7. So from verse 14 it says this. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews there were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning about having been taught? 
Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law, yet not one of you keeps the law? When, when, why are you trying to kill me? You are demon-possessed, the crowd answered. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle and you are amazed. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, through, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Now if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Jesus does not say things in the same way as the Jews and the teachers of the Jews say things. As in those days when people would bring teaching, it would, they would do it in the same way as their teacher taught them. And so when Jesus was bringing teaching, it was like, like they didn't recognize what he was saying. It was like, are you speaking of your own self? Are you speaking of your words? And, and so they were thinking he, he must be uneducated because he didn't sound like any of our teachers. There was something different about Jesus. He didn't sound like them. And so, so he must be speaking of his own opinion. But Jesus is like, this is not my own teaching. The teaching that I am bringing to you, it doesn't sound like what you're bringing, but the thing is, it doesn't mean that it's not from God. In fact, it is from God. What I bring to you is not made up, it's from God. And Jesus, in this passage, is challenging the Jews because um, they're not keeping the law. They're, they're challenging Jesus for not keeping the law. And Jesus is like, but what about you? You don't keep the law. The very thing that, that they're accusing him, him of. Jesus starts to say to them in verse 19, he says to them, has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? It's challenging them because they're not keeping one of the commandments. One of the commandments, the sixth commandment, is thou shalt not murder. And yet these Jewish teachers are planning and plotting to kill Jesus. And they're like, are you crazy, man? What is wrong with you? You've got you demon-possessed. Why are we not trying to kill you? And yet, as you read through this passage, it's well known amongst the people that these Jewish, these Jewish teachers are plotting to kill Jesus. In John 5, 16 to 18, it talks about the Jewish leaders persecuting Jesus and even more now trying to kill him. And in John 7 verse 1 in this passage, it says he's afraid to go to Judea because, because the Jewish leaders are trying to kill him. Then Jesus challenges them again about the Sabbath. He's saying, you know, you will um, circumcise a boy on Sabbath so that um, you will keep the law. 
And Jesus like, you hypocrites, you don't keep the Sabbath because you will circumcise a boy. And you're accusing me of making someone whole on the Sabbath. And it's like Jesus is challenging these people and saying, you're judging me not by the things of God. You're judging me by your own standards. You're judging me by a different standard. And he's saying to them, stop judging me the way that you're judging me. You're making assumptions, and these assumptions that you're making about me are wrong. And I started thinking about this. I was thinking about what Jesus said to them, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. And I was thinking about this, and, and it, it made me think about how in Isaiah chapter 11, it says this. So I want to read it to you. So Isaiah prophetically said about Jesus in Isaiah 11, it says this. It says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy, with justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of God will rest on him. It says that Jesus judges, but he doesn't judge by what he sees with his eyes. It says here that Jesus makes decisions, but he doesn't make decisions by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness and justice. Now, just judging rightly is a major challenge for us all. We may all try really hard not to judge people or situations in the wrong way. But often we do, and we don't actually realize we're doing it. In fact, we often feel justified by our own judgments. I read this story from a psychologist, and it said this. She said, imagine you're walking through the woods and you see a small dog. It looks really cute and friendly. You approach and move to give the dog a stroke. Then suddenly, the dog snarls and tries to bite you. The dog no longer seems cute, and you start to feel afraid of the dog, maybe even angry. Then the wind starts to blow, and you see that the leaves on the ground start to move, which is when you see that the dog has one of its legs caught in a trap. Now you feel compassion for the dog. You now understand the reason the dog was so aggressive was because it was in a lot of pain and suffering. Sometimes there's so much more going on than what we see. So natural that we want to make certain judgments, especially if it means we, it's going to protect ourselves from being hurt or attacked. 
It's so natural for us to make judgments about situations that we don't fully understand. In fact, so often we make judgments because we don't fully understand, because we're trying to understand. And so we make certain assumptions and we try to understand in that way. And, and when we then, what we don't always realize is that we're making wrong assumptions. And the Jewish teachers had got so used to a set way of thinking. And it was these set ways of doing things that gave them their identity as Jews. And anything that looked different to, to what they were saying or what they were doing in their eyes was, was division and disagreement. Um, you know, rather than um, looking at and listening to the things that Jesus was saying, Rather than being led by the Spirit and, and allowing the Holy Spirit to show them what it is that Jesus is saying, because it didn't agree with their way of doing things, because it didn't agree with the things that they were teaching, they, they um, decided that they wanted to get rid of him. They wanted to kill him. And so then they missed out on the very thing that they were waiting for. You know, they were waiting for the Messiah to come and redeem them and to set them free, but they missed out because of their judgments. You know, sometimes we can judge others for something that we ourselves do. A great example of this is um, getting annoyed at people with their bad driving. Now, come on, admit, who gets annoyed at other people's bad driving? You know, we may even feel justified to get annoyed with them, and we can get really angry with them if they've made a mistake. Um, maybe they pulled out in front of us, and, and there wasn't enough space, so we had to put on our brakes really fast, and we can get really annoyed at them, like, how could they do this, and who do they, you know, why are they not, they shouldn't be on the roads, get them off the road, these crazy drivers. Now, if you think about it, we've probably all driven poorly in our time, haven't we? We've all made mistakes. I can even think about times when I've made a mistake and I've pulled out thinking I've got plenty of space here and I'm not realising how fast this other car is actually driving and so they've had to put on their brakes and, and I'm thinking and I'm looking in my mirror and I wish they could hear me saying I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry and all I can see is their angry face and they're, <laughs> they're mouthing all these things at me and I'm like, mm, sorry, you know, it's a mistake and they're making judgments about me. And it's natural and it's tempting for all of us to make judgments about the things that we're here and the things that we see, the things that people tell us or something that is happening and we, we make judgments about it without fully understanding what has really happened or what's going on behind the scenes. We can be tempted to make judgments about situations that we don't fully understand. We are meant to make judgments as children of God, especially in a world where everything contradicts the word of God. So what does it look like to judge correctly? There was something different about the way that Jesus judged. He is the one who will judge the world 
And yet the way that he outworks his judgment is by exercising truth and grace. The way some people exercise their judgment is through harsh criticism, unkindness, or maybe even a quiet dislike about somebody. I found this quote on the internet, um, which I found really interesting. It says, judging a person does not define who they are, it defines who you are. I found that really interesting, and I think it's actually true. You know, the way that we judge, the way we exercise judgment, I think it actually reveals a lot about us. It reveals a lot about what's going on in our hearts and the things that we're thinking, the things that we're going through. Over the years when I have experienced being judged, normally by people who don't really know me that well or don't really understand me, they're you know, bound to misjudge me. And my experience of that is, is a lack of grace, maybe a lack of love, a lack of tenderness or kindness. And, and it's hurtful and it makes you feel worthless in some way. And it's in those painful experiences that I've learned a lot about people. And it's helped me to learn a lot about me too, about the times when I've made those same mistakes of judging and maybe being a bit harsh. And, and it's helped me to learn actually being harsh isn't the way Jesus judges. I have to be careful in my response about being misjudged because being misjudged can make you angry as well, can't it, and make you judge back. And so being misjudged, the natural thing to do is to get angry or to be hurt and upset. But actually what God would want us to do, wants to help us with, is to be like him, to, to respond to being judged with love, with grace, with forgiveness. And I'm learning to seek God for wisdom, I'm learning to seek God for counsel when I'm being tempted to judge others. And as children of God, it doesn't mean that we don't make judgments, but that we judge correctly. It's always important when trying to judge correctly to understand that we don't know everything. And even everything that you do know is not necessarily everything. When I look at Jesus, who is perfect in every way, and who judges all things, who knows how to judge rightly, because he knows all things, he knows how to judge, he knows what choices to make, he knows what decisions to make, he knows exactly my thoughts, he knows the things that I'm doing, he knows how to judge rightly with justice and righteousness. And I see the way that he that judgment outworks for him in my life. He always shows me love. He always shows me grace and tenderness and kindness. The recent news about Caroline Flack was really sad. She was judged by the media, which worked itself out in unkindness, harshness, full of misunderstanding, 
which caused her so much pain and made her feel like her life was worthless. It wasn't worth living. The judgments that are not led, that are not led by the Spirit of God is harsh, hurtful, condemning, unkind. It looks like this picture, you put that picture up, the villagers with the pitchfork on a hunt for a monster. This is what judgment looks like when it's not led by the Spirit of God. Judgments that are led by the Holy Spirit are full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The Holy Spirit helps us to judge, not by mere appearances, to not judge by what we see or what we hear, but like Jesus, to judge correctly with compassion and grace and truth. In John 7, there is this moment at the festival. It was on the last day. It was the greatest day of the festival. And Jesus stood up, and in verse 37 to 39, it says this. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the spirit whom he believed, who believed in, sorry, whom those who believe in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. As if Jesus was saying to everybody, everybody, look at me, the fulfillment of this prophetic thing that you are demonstrating at this feast of the tabernacles with the water at the altar flowing out like a river in Ezekiel 47 where the water flows out and it brings life into all the world. Well, this is a fulfillment of me. When, Jesus, when Moses went to the rock and he struck the rock and the water just gushed out and you were no longer thirsty again. This is the prophetic fulfillment. This is me being, being fulfilled in you right now in this place as the river of the living water flows from me into you so that when you believe in me, you too can have this welling up within you so they will flow from you into the world and that wherever it goes, it brings life, it brings healing, it brings joy, it does not condemn, but it brings forgiveness, it brings peace, it uplifts, it builds up, it gives life. All this is within you by the power of the Holy Spirit. That when we come to Jesus and believe in him, believe this hard message that, that to the world is, how do I believe this message? How do I believe all the things that he is saying? You know, Jesus, people were persecuting him, people were running away from him. His disciples had left him because of the summer things that he was saying and they couldn't believe it was too difficult. And yet when we believe in Jesus and when we come to him, he fills us with himself. He fills us so much that it flows from within us. That those words that are so difficult to hear, those things and messages of Jesus Christ that's so hard to live by and to know, that when he fills us with himself, 
His words become like life to us. His words become like water to our soul, reviving us, bringing us back to who we were meant to be in Jesus Christ. You know, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit and the the river that flows within us that helps us to fulfill the mission of God. You know, God's mission, Jesus' mission was to show people that he was the light and life to the world. That his mission was to, to help those that are broken and hurting and lost. And we too take on that mission when we become those filled with the streams of the living water. That we too become those that can help the lost and the broken. Jesus loves us and shows us kindness when we deserve to be condemned. You know, I'm so glad that I can, each day of my life, I can come to Jesus and be filled again with his presence and the Holy Spirit. I'm so glad that I can come to Jesus every single day, knowing that even though I fall short of of living my life the way he wants me to live, that even though I make mistakes and, and I do things I know I shouldn't do, that I can come to him. And I know that he doesn't judge me in the way that I deserve. But he does judge me. But he gives me grace and love and kindness because that's what restores me. That's what makes me become more like him. That's what helps me to live my life for him. Yes, we have to believe in Jesus We have to believe that he is the source of all life to us. And when we do trust him and when we do believe in him, that his Holy Spirit enables us to judge correctly. His Holy Spirit comes upon us and lives in us and moves in us so that we can, we have the spirit of wisdom and counsel, that we have the spirit of knowledge So we don't judge by what we see. We don't judge by what we hear. But we can come to God and say, God, what are you saying about this situation? God, how do I show your love and grace in this situation? How do I bring a difference in this situation? It is challenging. So natural for us to judge with harshness. But when the spirit of the living God is in us, We judge correctly, like Jesus does. You know, it's not by works that we are saved, but it's by faith in God. And he fills us with himself, with the anointing and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, so that we don't live by what we see or hear, but by the Spirit of God, so that we can make right judgments in Him. You know, today, if you are here and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, and maybe you've never made that choice or that decision, you know, we would love to pray for you today to do that. If today you might think to yourself, do you know, now is the time for me to say, Jesus, 
I believe you. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you are the one that came to save me. And I want you to fill me with your rivers of living water so that they flow from in me to give me eternal life. We would love to pray for you for that. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about baptism in water. I'm talking about baptism in the Holy Spirit where we say to God, God, just fill me with your power and your presence, with yourself. Give me the anointing and the grace that I need to live by the power of your Holy Spirit so I don't live by what I see, what I hear, but I live by your Spirit. Now, we can pray for you today for that too. That is freely given to you today. Um, I'm just going to pray now, um, but... um, after Josh is closed, he'll give you instructions about how to get prayer. Okay? So if you want to just stand for a moment. Father, I just want to just say thank you for your word. I thank you your word is challenging, provoking, and difficult to hear sometimes. But Lord God, it's your word that brings us life, that feeds our soul, that revives us, that gives us strength. And Lord God, we can trust you, Lord God. We can put our trust and belief in you. And Lord God, I just pray for anyone today that, that have got questions or struggling or in any way, Lord, I just pray that they would just know your peace right now your peace that passes understanding, your peace that will bring them strength, your peace that will bring them joy. I thank you, God, that you teach us so many wonderful things so that we can live our life with wholeness and goodness. So, Lord, I just pray you pour out your spirit afresh on us, Lord Jesus. I thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you.